Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaCanfora, host of the Odyssey original podcast, In the Huddle, with Brian Baldinger and Carl Dukes, covering the entire NFL. And it's not just uh, JLC here. Uh, who's your little friend there? This is Copper. You could call him Chopper. You could call him many things. Chop House. Uh, he's got a lot of nicknames and his <laughs> sister, Gigi. Now I think she wants in, but she'll be okay outside. You hiding your face, Chappie? That's okay. We only went 500 yesterday. So he's a little, he's a little down on me. I didn't bring home enough dog food yesterday. We did hit one <laughs> night, overall 500 day. He's like, yeah, I'm not showing my face for that. All right. Fair enough. Well, well, Copper's a good boy. That we do know. So that that's important. And I'm curious what you and Copper think about the Baltimore Ravens after another impressive performance uh, this time against a good Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah. Do you feel like that the Ravens have proven themselves to be the best team in the NFL? I, I mean, they're certainly in that conversation. Um, what they've done the last two home games against Teams that I, you know, look, I, I was not nearly as high on Seattle as Detroit, but still they they, they came in here having played uh, two teams in this division tough, right? They found a way to come back and beat the Browns, who I don't think are very good, but to keep winning games. And they should have beat the Bengals in Cincinnati, which is no small accomplishment as the Buffalo Bills. So those were like, you know, knockdown, drag out, slugfest, a lot of field goals, a lot of trouble for both teams finishing drives, all that stuff. And this was that for a quarter and a third, you know, and then the Ravens superiority started to show and manifest itself and it never stopped. And in that regard, it was like the Lions game. It wasn't like, you know, 21, nothing after three possessions like the Lions game, but it was just as comprehensive of a beatdown. So yeah, I, I mean, their biggest problem is probably self-induced errors that stop their own offensive momentum and stop their own offensive drives. It's a combination of like incredibly ill-timed um, fumbles, mostly fumbles because Lamar's not throwing picks. He, he, it's fumbles. Mm-hmm. And then that has manifested itself in letting the other team stay on the field longer in some critical situations than they should, like the Steelers game, like the Colts game. And then this defense does have a tendency to melt down in the fourth quarter, which we just saw a week ago in Arizona where they allowed a team that had seven points all season in the fourth quarter to put up 17 on 175 yards. 175 yards the Arizona Cardinals had in the fourth quarter alone Mm. against the vaunted Ravens. So there's some blemishes, but, I mean, compared to the field, right? I mean, most fan bases would sign up for that. Um And right now they're in an incredibly rich vein of form and the defense is basically the best on the planet since last November 1st when they acquired Roquan Smith. And the offense under Todd Munkin is moving at a different pace. And while it's not the downfield attack that I think some people are hoping it becomes, Lamar Jackson has leaned into high percentage, uber efficient passing outside the hash marks in a way that he never did before. And his ability to be a point guard, I think it was another week where nine different guys, I think, caught balls. Like, that's becoming the norm. He is becoming um, a super quick um, processing of information and delivering of the ball, point guard, quarterback, 
which is not really what this whole thing was under Greg Roman. Sunday Night Football, Bengals over the Bills. Did that change anything for you, or were you already there on the Bengals? And then, of course, uh, there's the Bills slide one and three away from home. Yeah, I mean, this this went um, honestly like I thought it would, except for Cincinnati not getting to 27 points. Um, I like the Bengals at minus three early in the week. I loved them and played them at one, and then it got down to one and a half, and when it settled at two before kickoff, I was fine with laying that as well. Um, I like the Bengals to get over their team total, but I didn't think the Bills could compete with them. I didn't think the Bills would do their their part and get to their 24. So I like the under for the game. I I like Cincinnati to score at least 28 into the 30s. Wouldn't have shocked me. And I thought the Bills were going to have difficulty getting above 20 themselves. I thought Kincaid would have a big game. I, I played a lot of alt props on Josh Allen up to 40 yards, which thankfully he got to 44. Josh Allen is the Bills' first touchdown scorer. That's kind of baked into their cake. Now, it wasn't going to be the first touchdown mm-hmm. scorer in this game because Cincinnati's early script, you know, you have to worry about the Bills when they're playing a real offensive team. Uh, I just didn't think Buffalo without Milano, you know, without their two best D tackles, with, you know, without their best corner and Russell Douglas just getting there. You know, I love Burrow to go over the two – or I played it early in the week at 266, but in a lot of alt markets, I played that up to 277, 285, um, and he cruised over that. So, um, no, not much about that game honestly surprised me. Um, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals, this is what they do. This is their time of the year, and especially at home in a spot like that. With Burrow, you know, I thought Burrow would go to get over 12 and a half rushing yards. He didn't, you know, so I, I was off on that. But, um, and they're they're getting mixed in. Like, it's not great, but it's enough that you, if you sit back and play cover two, right, and you have those two deep safeties, then Joe Burrow is going to check into a run. And it's not going to be great every time, but it's going to be good enough, enough times to where you have to respect it more than you did in the beginning of the year when the quarterback couldn't move and there was no threat of play action. And this offensive line hadn't gelled yet. I want to ask you about the commanders. They go into New England and win by three points. Bill Belichick asked this morning on EEI if he's coaching for his job, and he said he's just focused he on the Colts right now. <laughs> but I, I'm glad I didn't have to ask that question. But I'm, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also, Ron Rivera I mean, the job that he's doing, and then he seems to think that Sam Howell is the guy. So I guess it's a twofold question on both sides here. Well, I think the Belichick thing is over, and I think he knows it and they know it, and there'll be a mutual parting of the ways. And it doesn't matter when he signed his last contract extension or what's written on the paper because he's provided them with the most amazing – well, and and look, there's more Brady than him, but whatever. It goes on his record too – he has authored as a coach and lead football executive the greatest run of superior play that we will ever see in the salary cap era. So if he wants to walk, they're going to let him walk. And in their heart of hearts, they'd rather him walk than them have to fire him or say you could stay, but you're coaching and somebody else is picking the players. Like I just think Bob Kraft, after it getting as messy as it did with Brady, this is everybody knows where this is headed. Um, and I hear a lot of rumors about him wanting Washington. I've heard a lot of rumors about Belichick being very interested in Chicago. Um, uh, 
I, I think him breaking Shula's record in Foxborough isn't the end all and be all for him. And who's going to give him the kind of control he's used to? Because I'm not sure he's going to see that. You know, as to Ron Rivera, there are certainly a lot of people in that building who believe in Sam Howe, a lot of whom would have played Sam Howe a lot sooner last year than Ron Rivera finally did. So if Ron Rivera is trying to take a victory lap about Sam Howe, that's pretty rich because he waited way too long to play him in the first place. The way he went back to Wentz and the way he talked about going back to Wentz had people throwing up in their shoes in that building. Um, And he has managed to stick his foot in his mouth more than most thought uh, was reasonable for even a bad NFL coach. So um, I can't imagine that ownership is going to hitch their wagon to Ron Rivera in any way, shape, or form, even if Rivera now tries to hitch his to Sam Howe. Um, And I do think that whether they keep that whole front office intact or not, that there'll be people who are able to leave memos and documents and, um, you know, have conversations with that owner about what it could look like building a good football team around Sam Howe. They obviously need a lot of help on the offensive line. There's no two ways about that. They tried to build it one way through the D-line. It didn't work, right? But is Sam Howe enough of a runaround, interesting you know, he's got enough improvisation. It's not the greatest um, athletic, right, skill set. It's not the biggest arm in the world. But, like, is this a, a better version of what they did with Heineke that at least got them to the playoffs? Like, there, there's a case to be made that with a little bit of protection, you know, maybe you're winning 33-30, right? It's not going to be that thing they thought they were building in the trenches. You know, although you hit on one pass rusher and you've got the two D tackles, and, and, and there's nowhere to – and you get yourself a real defensive coordinator, right, not Jack Del Rio. And things could change, you know, relatively quickly on that <laughs> side of the ball as well. I, I believe in Sam Howe. There's enough smart people in this league whose evaluations I've trusted over 20 years who think the kid can win games in this league. Is he going to win you a Super Bowl? No. You know, if you build a, a 49ers team around him, can he be your Brock Purdy? I think so. But they've got a ways to go in the talent, especially because Purdy's got the left tackle that Sam Howe should have had. Yeah. And also work on those sacks. That, that might be an important detail when it comes to, to Sam. Well, I, I think when you trust your protection and you know that, you know, a timing, rhythm, tempo uh-huh. offense, you can actually, the ball's coming out, you know what I mean? On two Mississippi, you you, you trust that you're going to have two Mississippi, not that you're going to have to buy four Mississippi to try to make something off script. You know, yeah, he, he's got to speed up his clock. Absolutely. Um, but but the, some of the – the sack differential is a joke on that football team. I'll just leave it at that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Halfway point of the season, who is the most valuable player? And do you feel like the wow. indicators for MVP are the same this season than in seasons past? Or maybe is this year different as far as what we're looking for, what voters are yeah. looking for when it comes to who the best player is? It could be a little more off the grid because of what we, you know, experienced at the quarterback position. Mahomes is going to be graded, and I think rightfully so, against the best of Mahomes. And this is, this ain't even, you know, like this ain't, this ain't a Mahomes one for the ages season. 
Now, mm-hmm. could he turn it on in the second half and hit another level? And Sure, but you're talking right now. So, you know, most years I'd start with Mahomes and then look at the field. Right now I'm looking at the field over Mahomes. You know, I'm working on something right now for the Washington Post, talking to some people about Tua. Like, he's great in that system. He's a very good quarterback. Is is he an MVP? No. And the last the last four weeks have not looked like the first five weeks for him or that offense, you know? So I think there's some slippage there. You know, the, the A.J. Brown thing interests me some, although all it takes is a couple games like last night, right, where he dominates for the first half, doesn't get the same target share in the second half because they're trying to take him away at all costs. And then he's a really nice game and whatever it was, you know, seven of eight for 66 or whatever, but you're now no longer have that streak going. You know, how, how dependent, you know, is he on that? Um, you know, McCaffrey – I think he probably still could, right? If he keeps getting two touchdowns a game and they look better in the second half, like, um, and people realize that, you know, it's, it's, it's all the stuff around Purdy, probably a little more than Purdy at this point in his career, you know, and they get Trent Williams back, which makes McCaffrey a better player. You know, I, I could, I could lean into something like that. You know, the, the Ravens who we opened this with, and maybe they are the best team in football right now. And I think Lamar Jackson is certainly one of the three best quarterbacks on the planet, but the touchdown passing numbers just, they aren't going to be there. And even now, Gus Gus Edwards is getting a lot of those carries that Lamar got. I mean, Lamar, about three weeks ago, looked like he was on pace to obliterate his career rushing touchdown total because he was getting more red zone uh, runs than he had in recent years. But now those are going to Gus. So I I, I don't know. You know that the number, the eye test would tell you, man, this guy is another level. I'm not sure the numbers will be there. Uh, Jason, what do we do with the uh, the top of the NFC? Yesterday, Eagles over the Cowboys. Eagles 8-1, and one, but all observers understand this is not the best of the Eagles team that we've seen. And then right. yesterday, the Niners don't play. The Lions don't play. Seahawks get smashed over at Baltimore. What, what do you think of the top of the NFC? Is it a group of teams? Is it the Eagles by themselves or what? I, I think you have to put the Eagles on another level. Um, I mean, how many regular season games have they lost the last two years? Like, yeah, three. How many? Is it four? Is it even four? <laughs> you know, and, and let's 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 take out. Let's drill down further. Not you know the games where they're playing hurts, but he's not throwing the ball, and then they shut him down for three weeks. Like, how many regular season games do they lose when hurts plays? Not a whole lot. So, and they have a playoff pedigree as well. And I think they will get a little healthier and get a little better. And, you know, you got key pieces like Bayard who just got there. Now, the state of their secondary, we'll have to see, right? They're, they lost some guys, but they're in a different tier for me. And then I, I still like the Lions, and we'll have to see about San Francisco's injury. Good stuff, Jason. Thank you so much for your time. That was Odyssey and NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, believe it or not, the college hoop season starts today. Jim Root from Three Man Weave joins us for a crash course on the new season. That's right here on the BetQL Network.